0: Welcome to the Leadership School Podcast. I'm your host, leadership and self-care coach, Kyla Kofer. Here at the Leadership School, you'll hear leaders from around the world sharing their stories and expertise on how to lead with balance and integrity. Our goal, teach you how to be an extraordinary leader. Welcome back, leaders. Today, we are talking about... Confidence. That's right. What it looks like to be and feel confident. We're talking with Minna Taylor, and she tells us how confidence is actually a behavior and an action, a skill that you can learn. It's not a personality trait that we're going to really get into details about what does confidence mean? What does it look like to have confidence? And how do we have confidence in other people, in ourselves? And then how do we actually create this skill? This behavior of confidence? What does that look like? Is it necessary for leadership? We cover all of these things and more. This episode does have some very mild, very mild cursing. So if that's something that might bother you, you may want to skip to the next episode. But if not, listen on ahead and enjoy this really entertaining, fun conversation about confidence with Minna Taylor. Welcome, Minna, to the Leadership School podcast. And guest, I'm here with Minna Taylor, and I'm really excited. We're laughing, giggling because of a conversation we just had about her, her fun name. And I know how to pronounce it correctly, and I don't really think it's that hard, but you know, sometimes names can be challenging to learn. Anyways, seriously, thank you so much for joining me at Leadership School. I am super excited, as always, but super excited about this conversation and talking about confidence because I have actually dealt with a lot of these issues and had to learn and overcome some things. And so excited to hear what your take is on all of that. But welcome. Thank you, Kyla. I'm so happy to be
1: here. I'm super
0: thrilled. Confidence is my favorite subject. I wrote the book on it. So here we are. Yeah, you wrote the book on it. So tell us about you and tell us about your book and just tell us all the important things we should know.
1: Yeah, what are the important things? I'd like to start with the fact that I grew up on a farm and i'm an identical twin i feel like that sort of frames me in a little bit and and here's why specifically one growing up on a farm away from people you're forced to create your own fun yes and so a lot of the work that i do is play based in fact most of the work that i do is play based and about storytelling and connection and imagination and growing up on the farm absolutely fostered that And having an identical twin means you always had a built-in playmate. And so we were always yes-anding one another and make-believe and dress up. And and so I think I cultivated the habit of expression and risk-taking in terms of my communication right from the get-go. So I think that's a huge aspect, a contextual moment of importance to mention.
0: It really is. That's awesome. I spent my middle school years, we called it an acreage. It was three acres. But I remember we had like the woods, we called it. And it was so fun. And I went back and looked later. And it's like 10 trees. But it was like the woods. (laughs) And It was, we just had this huge imagination. It really did cultivate this imagination. That's really cool that you are able to use that and incorporate it into everything you do. I like it.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's foundational to who we are, right? Yeah. And so I went to, I actually studied to be an actor. And I went to NYU. I went to Tisch School of the Arts, and I studied with the Atlantic Theater Company. And then I got my master's degree in acting. So I just really doubled down there. Um, I remember when I went to NYU for acting, my dad was like, hey, do you think that maybe like you can use this for teaching? Like He was definitely like, don't be an actor. And I was like, I'm gonna be an actor. I'm never going to teach. And of course flash forward, you know.
0: always go. They don't they, they always know. Uh,
1: you know, and I'm never going to teach and like now I run a professional development education consulting company and so my company is called Energize Your Voice and we used play and acting techniques to inspire really influential storytelling, authentic communication. That sense of you're talking about confidence here. Well, I mean, holy buckets that is at the core of everything and I also wrote a book. I'll do a little self-promotion here. So that's my book. And it's called The Confident Body, A Functional Approach to Unlocking Your Full Potential. And the core component and what I bring to my private clients and what we take into our corporate space is how do we understand what it is we're seeking to achieve when we envision ourselves in our highest performing expression. So when we think about public speaking, when we think about leadership, when we think about leading a team or engaging in challenging conversation, when we put ourselves in that position, who are we? What is our way of being? How are we behaving? What does our voice feel like? How present to listening are we? And all of those fundamentals can be explored and practiced through play but ultimately come back to the behaviors of confidence. And so that really wraps up everything it is that we do in my organization and what I do as a coach and facilitator.
0: That's so fun. Okay. So the first thing that comes to mind is you said the behaviors of confidence. So I don't think I've really ever thought of confidence as a behavior. I've always thought confidence was more of like a personality trait or a character trait or, but it is a behavior talk about this for a minute.
1: Yeah. And I love that you just gave that perception because that is the misguided way in which we have all been conditioned to understand confidence. And so if we think about it as a characteristic, then now it seems like either it's innate, you have it or you don't. And we define confidence in a very explicit way. So someone who is defined as confident archetypally, if we think about this sort of in the way in which we societally designate someone as confident or unconfident, we look at it as big and bold and broad and hyper expressive and dynamic. And that's not everyone, not everyone will express their authenticity in the same way. So how I like to think about confidence and how I seek to sort of transform our understanding of it is in a way that will inherently democratize it. So now it feels like a characteristic that is accessible to all of us because now it becomes a matter of shifting behavior rather than either you have it or you don't. So it's something that we are all capable of accessing because we are all born into it. And let me explain what I mean by that. So when we talk about the behaviors of confidence, confidence in and of itself is not a characteristic. It's a perception. So when we perceive somebody as confident, we are not perceiving confidence. We label it as that. But what we're actually perceiving here, I'm going to ask you to sort of reflect on someone that you, you think about as confident or maybe how you envision yourself stepping into confidence. And a lot of the words I hear are present, authentic, easygoing, right? These are when clients come to me, these are the words that they're using to express how they want to feel in these moments when called to rise to the occasion. So if we now take that as the desired experience rather than confidence as the desired experience, we can break that down very functionally in terms of what's actually taking place. So what that is are deep connection to breathing. So one of the biggest contributors to lack of confidence is short, tight breath. In order to now accommodate deep breathing, we need to have a body that is conditioned to be free of tension. So when our body tenses up, our breath is not available to us. What that also indicates now is retraction or a retreating, which
0: indicates a lack of confidence. This is so interesting because I never would have started saying you have to be more confident by breathing. (laughs) Like, that's never what I would have said. I would have been like, feel good about yourself. Do some internal like affirmations and all of these. I would have never said, just stop and breathe or make sure your body's not tense. And here's why,
1: Kyla, this is, I'm so glad you're so here with me. Yeah, you're asking the right questions. Here's why it's important to think about it as breathing versus something that you will into being. Because communication is a physical activity. It is not a theoretical concept. So if we are thinking about it as a physical activity, that then stands to reason we need to access the body in order to imbue
0: confident behavior. So yeah, the confidence is the way that we communicate what we're trying to get across and who we're trying to be. It's not in the way that we're trying to act. It's not just an action. It's a communication. Like there's an outward thing happening.
1: It has to be, it's an inside out activation, because again, you cannot control how people see you, but you can control how you show up in that interaction. And so if you're just telling someone to think confidently, well, that may then put them in a position of feeling like they need to fake it, right? And I hate the term fake it till you make it because that then builds muscle memory around inauthenticity. So rather, let's say, show up in that space connected to breath in a body that's free of tension, in a body that is available to vocal and physical expressiveness with the distinct availability to play, which is that intangible space of unpredictability and aliveness. So now if I show up in a space with you and I'm breathing and my body's at ease and I'm sort of, you know, feeling like expressive in my voice and body, whether I'm an introvert, an extrovert, whether I'm dynamic or whether I tend to be more simple in my expression and play is there, play not being silly, but rather being the most serious activation of self, listening, responding, uh, creative problem solving, strategic decision-making, adaptability, agility. And if I show up in a conversation as that being my primary driver of behavior, then confidence will absolutely be perceived. And we see this, Kyla, in leadership. So now if we think about what leadership is, so I went to this conference in Berlin like five years ago, and we spent a lot of time talking about a power that could be trusted, specifically in relationship to leadership and corporate America. And so the three behaviors that we said, what is a power that can be trusted is curiosity, generosity, and likability. So those are the qualities of leadership that can ultimately be trusted, which in this shifting landscape is something that is requisite. We can now say confident behavior are the drivers of those characteristics. Because in order to be generous, I have to be listening and responding, right? In order to be curious, I need to be connected to my breath, right? And in order to be likable, I
0: need to be at ease so that you feel safe. Two things. First, do you feel that you must have confidence to be a leader or that leadership must include confidence?
1: I think leadership must include confidence. But again, if we go off what I've just defined as confidence then those will enact the behaviors or the qualities of leadership that can be trusted and will ultimately be successful. Now, confidence and leadership, right? So if we are working off of this conditioned archetype of a confident person, that may be a slippery slope into arrogance as leaders if we're not attending to connecting to breath, being free in voice, and playing in the space of unpredictability.
0: You know, I've been doing a lot of research on keynote speeches because I'm a keynote speaker. And so I've been watching a lot of keynotes lately just to see how other people are doing it. Like, how can I improve my speaking? I'm watching other speakers, right? So it is really interesting because the one thing I have noticed about the speakers who are experts, who are professionals, who I would look at and go, this was a fantastic keynote speech. They 100% of the time are confident on stage, but it's not just the confident. I mean, I, I don't really like using that word because I want to talk about all the details of what that included. But I, I notice on stage that they interact well, that they're relaxed, that they're playful. So they'll like tell jokes or they'll tell stories or they'll like point out someone in the audience and they'll have that back and forth. And it's more a conversation and it feels like you're having a conversation with a friend. And yeah, they do the, the jokes, but they're comfortable in their body. They're comfortable on the stage. It's not forced. It's very interactive. So all of these things that you mentioned, yeah, when I see that in this particular example, and it's right there on a stage in front for everybody to see, the people who are the best at this are confident. And in all the terms of the word that you just presented. So I see that playing out. I was just having a
1: conversation with my team earlier today. And I was like, you know, I think what is the difference between how I approach this work and how other people approach this work, because I work with speakers all the time, right? And I specifically work with high performers, high achievers and executives. And why that is, is because what you're experiencing, what you're experiencing when you see keynotes that resonate with you like that, that give you a sense of ease, that you can be an audience that is both engaged and at ease is that's next level, right? And so we go beyond the basics. We are not looking at level one public speaking. So it's really about how do we enact tools and techniques to give not only speakers, but audience members the experience that you're expressing, which is similar to what a team wants to experience from their leadership, which is, you know, what people and and constituents want to experience from their leaders in, in politics, and all of this is about how do we give this sense of, I love that you use this conversational word because that is absolutely what I advocate for. It's, it is an energetic dialogue at the very least, and it should feel conversational in tone. That does not mean casual, but conversational now indicates very distinctly that there is an awareness of other as well as an awareness of self. And I think that is where we get lost sometimes, either as leaders or as public speakers, is making it about us. And so having that conversation piece in there, we can now think, okay, it's not just about me. This has to be a co-creative moment. How do I make that happen? And how do I prepare my body to meet that moment with power?
0: You know, it's so easy to get lost in the... it's about us. (laughs) I I think every single human has got lost in that at some point. I said something to my husband last night, I said, during the event, and it was all about service, public service, and it was for a nonprofit. And I said, man, I just realized halfway through how self-centered I am. And he goes, honey, it's okay. We're all (laughs) self-centered. And I went, oh yeah, I guess that's true. (laughs) I mean, in in events like that, just draw it out, right? So (laughs) we, we all have that. But Back to your point about this conversation about it being about the other person, it's curious because when we talk about confidence, we're thinking about again ourselves and how we're portraying confidence. But it's not what I'm hearing from you is it's not so much about that, but about how we're expressing that for other people to trust us. Yeah. So it's different. Just looking at a different angle of the photo or the, the it, exactly.
1: You know. So I think really once we make it about us, now And why fear often enters into the picture when we make it about us. Because now the ego is driving that communication and the ego is so sensitive that it needs to be accepted. And the fear of rejection is strong. And so that then puts us into a space of needing to be perfect or control the outcome which when it comes to human behavior is not realistic because if we're anything, we're infinitely fallible. And so we think we're gonna go up there being absolutely perfect when in fact we're controlled and in that control disconnect from our audience because we've made it about them affirming our value rather than being there to generously offer and engage.
0: Now I was gonna say, what's interesting too is that the more we we can express that confidence in that way, you mentioned that trust, it does generate that trust where people can not only accept what you're saying, but then they want to act on it. And if they don't have that confidence, then there's no action. And when they do feel that from you, whatever you're presenting, whether it's in a, a team meeting or whatever, a keynote team meeting, you know, whatever you're you're presenting or trying to portray, when people do have that confidence and they're picking up on things that you don't even realize you're saying like the positives. They're going, Oh, I can try that. I could try that. Oh, I heard something else. And because they're engaged with what you're saying.
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so much opportunity when we relinquish the responsibility to be liked, to be validated and instead show up fully committed to hearing, to listening deeply to connecting to our breathing. And then in that space of connectivity is where the play comes in, right? And again, play is not unserious, right? So it's just about listening, responding. And when people feel seen and heard, even in a public speaking context, where it's somewhat unilateral, <laughs> right? Even in that context, when they feel seen and heard, meaning they have perceived something, of what it is you're communicating that touches them in a certain way, then they will be more likely to take action. And influence is, is at the core of that, right? I do a keynote called Play is the Tool for Influence because we really need to think about it as that, right? We are all capable of being change, agents of change. You know, when we have a vision, when we have this notion of how to transform whatever it is we're seeking to transform, we can do that. And how we communicate Is at the core of people paying attention. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Since you've listened this far, it tells me you're really enjoying the content. And I'm so, so grateful. I work really hard to bring you some awesome resources to help really enhance your leadership game. If you're liking this, can you pause really quickly, make sure you're subscribed, but then also share with one person or more people who you think could really benefit from the content? My goal is to really bring this into some of the top podcasts on leadership in the world. And you can help get there and help us grow by sharing this with everyone you know. Thank you so much. I'm glad you're enjoying the episode. Okay, so we've talked about little bits of how tos in intermingled, but let's be really specific. So you know, you said being in tune with your breath and being with tune with your making your body tension, all those. But let's talk about okay, so someone's listening in now and they're in leadership roles, whatever roles they're in, and just feeling maybe doubt, insecurity, feeling fear, a lot of these things, not connecting, not building this trust. How do we now think, well, I want to feel more confident. I want to show up more confidently. I'm hearing all of these things. Yeah, but what do I do next? I mean, where do I start? How do I build that confidence in me that portrays confidence and trust and builds those connections, communicates well? All of these things that we're talking about we're always always thinking about a lot of things, right? We're thinking about the next project we've got. We're thinking about me. It's like trying to get the service person in to fix the heat and, you know, all these little things that we have going on in our life. We're not going to be spending every moment before we have to speak, before we have to present going, okay, I need to go through these checklists of things, but we can start somewhere and, and then we can build on that. So let's start, show where we need to start and then give the tools for building to because people are at different stages. Yep,
1: absolutely love this. So it's from start to finish, from curiosity to activation is all outlined in my book. And so I'll talk through sort of what some of that looks like. First of all, because we're talking about muscle memory here, right? How we speak is largely unconscious. We learned to do it a long time ago. And I guarantee you, Kyla, when's the last time you thought about what your tongue was doing? Yeah.
0: I I don't that often.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't. Yeah, most people don't. I think about it all the time. It's almost to an annoying degree, honestly. I don't recommend anyone go to that level. But so the first stage is become conscious to the unconscious. So we need to think about if we are seeking to sort of step into these more confident spaces or increase our leadership capacity, then we need to think, okay, let me observe myself. Let me just observe Objectively, So it's not about having an opinion about what you observe. It's not about good, bad, or indifferent. It's simply just fact collecting, fact over feelings. Like, what is it is that I'm doing on a functional level? What do I notice exactly? And so a lot of the preparation up to the moment when you actually have to step into a meeting or step on stage So much of that is dependent upon the habits that you've created leading up to that. So there's a whole process of what's called conscious redirection of use. That's taken from the Alexander technique, which is a movement modality based on the structure of the skeleton. So if we engage in this process called conscious redirection of use, and start now exploring new habits that feel more easygoing, more representative of our essential and authentic self rather than who we have been conditioned to become. Now, okay, let's say all of that has taken place.
0: <laughs> right, which doesn't happen like in a day. It like you said, it's not something that I can sit down and go, I'm going to do this from now on forward. You know, these, these are practices. And then three years from now, you'll realize, oh, you want to Tweak it. You want to do it differently, or practice it in a different way, or you haven't quite gotten as far as you thought that you had. You know, it's just this evolving thing.
1: Yeah. Let's be clear. I've been doing this for over twenty years, and I'm still like, oh, interesting. Yeah. So even if you haven't initiated that that process of distinct internal curiosity, what you can do right off the bat, like whether you are new to the game or whether you're a seasoned professional two things that you can think about that will transform the way in which you step into that space when called to rise to the occasion. So I want you to think about your tongue, as I mentioned, and
0: your butt. I made a very strange face right then. (laughs) I threw my hands up and went, wait, what? (laughs) You want me to think about my body part? (laughs) Correct. Your
1: tongue and your butt. So specifically your anus. I tell people to breathe into their asshole. I don't know if I can say that on your podcast, sure. but okay, sure, why not? Your tongue and your butt. So not tongue in, but tongue and butt, just so we're clear. So here is, sorry, is this PG? You're anyway, totally fine. Let me explain. The tongue piece, here's why. The tongue is the one of the primary mechanisms to the outside world. And so when we think about the mouth, that actually now becomes the threshold of choice. I can create space between that moment of reaction when I'm like, right, instead, I can now make a wise decision about how to communicate my interiority. It also is about coming up with specific tone and notes to the voice, articulation, rhythm, tempo. And so I call it playing the music of your thoughts and thinking about your tongue as you're communicating the actual movement of the physical tongue will give you that little bit of spaciousness when you either get ahead of yourself, uncertain what to say, or you've scripted something you're trying to remember. It will delay it just enough where you'll be able to be consistently immediate in the execution of your thoughts.
0: So my sister is a sign language interpreter, which makes me think of the deaf population who might not necessarily be using their mouth and their words. Would you say then to focus on your fingers, your hand movements? I mean, if you're not using that, then focus on something else. The thing which you are using to share your message. I love that question because
1: it is absolutely a lens toward inclusivity. So I appreciate you asking that. And absolutely. And here's why. So I'll sort of tie those two together, which is the thing that is required to create action around the expression of your thoughts.
0: So focusing on Correct. one
1: thing. One thing. So either the tongue, if you're speaking, your hands, if you're using sign language, because either way, it's about that tactile moment of distinct expression. And so that is the why we focus on the tongue or for ASL hands, right? And now let's focus on the butt. So here's why. You cannot breathe deeply and clench your butt at the same time.
0: Okay. I'm definitely going to try that right now. (laughs) Yeah, no, I see. I see you wanting to. And for all of those listening, I encourage you to do it as well.
1: Yeah. Try to breathe deeply, like clench your butt and then try to take a deep breath. You can't do it. (laughs) Right. And so when we step on stage or when we are called to rise to the occasion, whatever context we find ourselves. If we think about releasing or relaxing the anus, we will inherently this is just a drop our breath. Practice yeah, too.
0: Yeah, you, you. Yeah, and you talk about the play too. I mean, I cannot talk about this without cracking up because we just don't talk about our butts like that. Really, we just yeah, don't, we we don't incorporate it into the our thought and <laughs> in our, our action. So it's really I am all about too. it. And then that's just relaxing because you're laughing.
1: Correct. Yeah. So it's like right. So I heard this great puller doing it right.
0: <laughs> okay and I know that sounds
1: silly and we don't talk about it a lot but honestly it
0: does sound silly yeah, because you're just like
1: think about it if you relax your anus all of a sudden you're like yeah all right cool I'm feeling fine now. Yeah. because it, it what it does like on on a, on a nervous system level is it lowers the sympathetic the response of cortisol and of the sympathetic nervous system so it, it brings you out of fight or flight and brings you back into energetic stasis. So you can more adeptly now enter into equilibrium with your audience.
0: Whether you're doing that in seriousness or with being entertained, because if, if you're serious, you're still going to have the reaction and if it entertains you, then you're back into that. that Correct. Absolutely. You, okay? Like whether it's an all yeah.
1: sincerity meditation release, but, or if it's like, I'm going to release my butt, like go for it. Tongue and butt, those are the two places that regardless of what stage you're in, if you place your attention there, you will feel more grounded and connected in the moment, which will set you up for success in whatever follows.
0: Wow. So it's when you're able to have these moments of, would you say it's really, it's not the, thing that you're reflecting on you're paying attention to but is it just that you're allowing yourself to pay attention to your body and kind of center yourself like be connected to yourself be connected to your environment be connected to a moment
1: that's ultimately what this all leads to Absolutely. I think why it's important to land on something distinct is because otherwise our thoughts, our sort of internal dialogue may override our presence of the tangible self, the gross body, right? So it's it's really about bringing our awareness to the gross body, something that feels acute versus general.
0: Yeah, well, and we talk about that with just, I mean, we're still talking about confidence and leadership with self care. When I talk about self care, I'm always talking about it's your actual I can touch it, I can feel it body because we tend to think of self care as like something that we have to do outside of ourselves. But it's just really caring for who you are. And I'm touching my arms as I can do that, you know, just caring for your person. So paying attention to this moment and this thing that that you are and and doing that. So what's next? And what we need to think about, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're, and you know <laughs> we're in me. this we're in this journey of being in in our confident body, being a confident person and and leading with confidence and and really, as we're thinking about leadership, leadership comes in all different shapes and sizes and forms and environments, and you know you might lead a small group, a large group, I mean, but leadership essentially just you're the person in charge of a of a group of a story of a moment, and there are different things required in different leadership positions. But in all of them, if a decision comes about that you have to make, you got to feel confident in making that decision. And so these practices of practicing and leaning into our confidence, then in turn helps us when we're making those decisions, because we do need people to be able to trust the decisions that we make. And we need to trust the decisions that we make. I think a lot of times if we're not confident in trusting our own self and our own decisions, we're going to really struggle in portraying that story to other people and getting them to come along.
1: When we think about leadership, if we sort of take into consideration everything we've talked about, and if you happen to hold that title of leader, you cannot take for granted that it will give you certain power or opportunity. Because if curiosity, generosity, and likability are not integral into your practice of leadership, And if breathing and listening and responding and curiosity are not at the helm in terms of how you're enacting critical dialogue, then when you have to come to the point, this crisis point, intervention point, whatever, of making challenging decisions, you will, if you have to do this on an individual basis, engendered enough trust and built enough or established enough of a relationship outside of the fact that you're a leader, just the fact that you're a human who's taken a human centered approach to leading your team will have a better outcome, even if it's one that is distinctly defined. as. So,
0: you know, how do you notice? I mean, I guess we can all notice, we can diagnose it in somebody else. We could say that person's just really not confident in the message, not confident with whatever they're saying. How? Do we notice that about ourselves and be willing to put a little work in and a little effort in, you know, or when you're saying notice and reflect on who you are and the way you're portraying yourself? I mean, we know, I guess we know if we're not feeling confident about something. I mean, I'm thinking about when I first started this podcast and how unsure I was and insecure about my own voice. And I was like, well, we're just going to do it anyways. And my confidence grew just in the action and just in the doing of it. And sometimes it's still really hard. You know, there are moments when I'm like, Oh, man, how am I the one doing this? But because I am I'm the one doing it. And my confidence does grow with that. But yeah, I'll sort of define
1: distinctly the, the process that you just laid out, which is, first, you made a decision that you wanted to do something transformational. Then you had to be consistent in engaging in that process of transformation. Then You had to be willing to be vulnerable and take risks, knowing that it would be clunky and imperfect along the way until you got to a point where you felt agile and in flow state and expressive, even in moments of uncertainty. And so that's really the process, right? The hardest part about transformation is remembering that you seek to transform. So it's being consistent about it. So then it becomes routine in terms of holding yourself accountable to the transformation you're seeking to achieve.
0: I'm thinking when we're in a team and we are noticing in our team that our team is not portraying these behaviors. You can't just go up to somebody and say, you need to be more confident. <laughs> you can't just go up to say and say, start breathing and then maybe we'll trust you more. Like, <laughs> so what are some practices that we can take to our teams where we can go, let's, let's work on this together. And then maybe through those practices, our team will grow and start portraying some more of those confident behaviors.
1: I think for teams, especially teams that are highly collaborative, but even teams that maybe work sort of in silo or autonomously and come together once a month. Right. Who knows? We live in this virtual world. Anything's possible. And so the biggest sort of I don't even want to say value, but I would say requirement or implementation accountability tool. Let's call it that for leaders to impart on their team is the tool of yes. And so anytime anyone contributes, it's not about no butting. It's not about negating. It's not about overriding, enforcing, or competing. It's about collaboration and co-creation, acknowledgement, and advancement. And so let's get clear on what the tool of yes and means. Anytime you enter into a meeting, if someone says something, are there any questions? Yes, I have a question, and what you said is this, and what I'd like to add on to that is this. So it's acknowledging what was just said and elevating and advancing it versus trying to add in your own agenda, or negating what somebody else said.
0: I've heard of this tool before. The first time I ever heard of this was with Michael and Amy Port, who are the trained speakers. Is this an acting tool that is used? Because since you come from the acting, because they came from an acting world too. So I'm curious that this is part of the acting culture is the yes and
1: is absolutely part of the acting culture. And
0: okay, yeah, so it's acting and improv. And can I take one is acting
1: as pretending. Yes. And so when people learn that I'm an actor, they think I'm going to help them pretend or be performative. And so I want to be really clear here. Acting takes high performance, right? Good acting takes high performance. High performance does not require a good acting. And so when we think about what acting is at its core, it is truth telling with strategy. It is the most distinct revelation of authentic humanity. We have stories and the only way to allow those stories to unfold in real time in a way that maintains aliveness, even though we know how it's going to end is to be present and immediate in the moment in listening and responding as things shift and change and transform immediately before you. And so if we take then those to an objective, again, strategic negotiation of an objective, truth-telling the strategy, because we know where we have to get ultimately, but it's about being honest and vulnerable along the way. So when we bring things in, like yes and, That's really an opportunity for us to carry our own agenda. We are all self-interested, let's be honest, right? But we also need to be sensitive to the fact that we are in this world and of this world. And so yes, and is a really simple way to allow that moment to unfold before you while holding true to what
0: it is you're seeking Mm, to achieve. That is such a cool description. I'm gonna be processing that for a minute. It's so interesting as you're explaining it, I just felt the sense of like, Wonder and awe, and like, yeah, <laughs> yes. And, and so, think about
1: it. I trained, I, tra- I went all the way through my master's degree, right? I have a master's degree in acting. And so, I trained how I like to think about it is I trained to be the most distinct expression of my human self. That is it. I got rid of everything that was like, this is how I should be. And it's like, this is just who I am. I can be nothing other. Because in order to be a character, in order to show up in a space and really tell someone's story powerfully, you have to come at it with absolute openness and availability, right? And this doesn't mean raw, emotional, wear heart on sleeve activation. This is about a willingness to say yes, right? A willingness to fail and a willingness for someone to throw you off your game. Right, and see what and happens. We're saying talk
0: about someone's story. I mean, your own story, the story of your company, the story of your organization, the story of whatever message you're trying to get across. You're trying to do whether you're an activist or a nonprofit leader, or whether you are, you know, Amazon. You're telling these stories, and it's it's a willingness to step into that. It's wonderful, Minna. I have my two questions for you, but before I ask those, is there anything else that you really want to make sure that we have covered and said? And any messages that you want to make sure. Our listeners have really heard before I ask you those.
1: Oh golly, I would say that as you're pursuing leadership or or trying to create an intentional investigation around the way in which you're understanding your own leadership or confidence or communication or way of being, know that you were born with full empowerment and every single human is capable of living in a confident body. And nothing is not attainable for you in that space. And how it will look is the beautiful mystery that will unfold. And it will look uniquely different
0: for each and oh, every. Wow. That's thoroughly really inspiring. Okay. So what does integrity look like? Or what does it mean to you? I think throughout all of my conversations, we've always kind of discussed it, but I like just asking, I want you to specifically define it for you. What does integrity mean to you?
1: Telling the truth, even when it's hard, right? When I feel out of integrity, I know I've done something that is out of alignment to my essential value. So integrity is just telling the truth. It's being direct, letting people know that I'm someone to be trusted.
0: To be trusted. Yeah. Okay. What about balance? What does balance look like to you? You know, you are a trainer, you do coaching, you have a life, you do traveling, you know, all of these things. What does it look like to you to be balanced?
1: The only thing that is guaranteed is the ever-changing, ever-evolving certainty of transformation. And so when we think about balance, it is inherently ephemeral. And I think us seeking to do that in the moment we think we've achieved it, it has now transformed. So when I think about back, sorry, it's getting too philosophical. So when I think...
0: (laughs) No, I like it. I'm laughing because I'm thinking about like the word humility. It's like humility. (laughs) Exactly. The minute we think we're humble, we're no longer humble. (laughs) It's kind of like that. The minute we think everything's balanced out is the minute we're like, oh, wait, (laughs) it's going to change now.
1: Yeah. I don't think about balance ever. I think about my energy level. Yeah. Okay. That's how I think about balance. Like or I am not present in my breath. So balance to me is unrealistic, but energy level is something that can be attended to. So do you
0: do like breathing practices? Like every day, is this a meditation practice for you when you talk about being intentional with your breath? Like, do you spend time meditating? Or I know there are people who do breath work facilitating. I mean, is this the kind of thing you're talking about? Or is this just like, I'm gonna take a breath right now and acknowledge that I've taken a breath? What does that mean to you? So.
1: Both, I guess. But what it really comes down to is I have sort of a very conscious throughout the day, full body check-in. And it happens automatically at this point, just because I've been doing it for so long. But even right now, because I'm kind of looking down at you, I can feel my shoulders rolled forward. So I'm now trying to drop my shoulders, adjust my hips, drop my belly into my breath, soften the back of my tongue, release my forehead and really feel my ribs expand. So I can do that check-in pretty distinctly. And once that's done, once my body is now back to stasis, now I can think to myself, okay, what is my energy level? What what can I do right now to bring myself back to presence? Maybe presence is a, a better word for me than balance. Okay.
0: And you're doing all of those things almost like subconsciously now because you're not really thinking about them. You're not like taking the moment and having to go through the mental checklist and being distracted from the conversation that we're having. Like you're just are naturally doing those things, but it's because you've spent a lot of time practicing and paying attention to those. So you don't really have to think about it as much. Correct. Yeah. When we all have stuff like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and when you're listening to somebody, maybe this is another tool for people when you're really listening. So I just did it now, which is what made me think of it? Yes. It's automatic for me. But what is still conscious to you, and I'm aware that I'm breathing in. So it's 80-20 rule, right? 80% of my attention here, 20% on my breathing. And that just ensures that I'm actually listening.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, I know that I've taken a lot more deep breaths in this conversation than I probably have all day. So (laughs) Yay! <laughs> this is great. Mina, thank you so so very much. I know all your contact information is going to be in the show notes, but again, you've got your book and you mentioned that where else can we find you if we want to work more with you?
1: Yeah, LinkedIn and Instagram are going to be your best bets. Drop into those DMs. I love getting inquiry about this work. But definitely follow me because my content is really about education. Right, so you'll landscape. I
0: love that your dad was right, but so were you. You know, you went. Your dad encouraged you to go become a teacher, and so you became a teacher. But you did it in your way that that was true to who you were. So you were able to put both of those things together. So way to go, Dad. Way to go, Minna. You did both of those things. This is awesome. Thank you so very much. I have loved every minute, and I'm going to be thinking about my tongue for the rest of the day and your butt. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This was awesome. Thank you, Minna. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this journey to grow in our leadership. If you enjoyed this episode, you've got to check out the leadership and self-care coaching programs on my website at kylakofer.com. Let's change the world together.